Hello, and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English, founder of The Silver Edge. Our mission at The Silver Edge is to inspire men and women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond to live their strongest, healthiest, most fulfilling lives. In this podcast, we share stories of amazing individuals who are doing just that to help motivate you to become the healthiest version of yourself, regardless of your age. And now, on to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. My guest today is Heidi Crown. Heidi is a 53-year-old nutrition and fitness coach who started her fitness journey five years ago when she was diagnosed with degenerative hip disease. Heidi, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you today. So, Likewise. Well, we certainly want to talk about your fitness journey, um, but before we do that, let's back up and hear a little bit about your life story, maybe starting with uh, you as a child. Were you active as a child? Were you involved in sports? Well, let's let's see. Well, I was born and raised in Iowa, and um, I was always active. We lived on the edge of town, a small town, and so we we're outside climbing trees and playing kick the can, and always very active. Uh, when I was in second grade, my mom and dad signed me up for an acrobats tumbling class, which I loved and really excelled at. And so, you know, it wasn't long, and I was doing back handsprings across the grass and whatnot. But um, so that really helped develop the body mind connection. So I always had like a good control of where my body parts are. <laughs> so it was, it was very conducive to other things then later on. Later on in high school, then I guess uh, we played other sports in middle school because everybody did. Uh, but I ended up landing in to competitive cheerleading through high school. And I look back on that now and I think, wow, shoot, I could have played volleyball or something really cool. <laughs> not that that's not cool, but I just feel like I could have been really good at something else, um, potentially. And uh, but we had fun. And um, anyway, so yes, I was always active. I went off to college. You know, I was fearful of that freshman 15, which everyone's like, uh. So I was determined not to have that happen. So I always was conscientious about my eating and trying to stay moving. I remember being in my dorm room and doing jumping jacks and trying to go for jogs, even though it was a little scary as a freshman, not knowing where I was going. And you always hear stories and you want to be safe. And so um, then I found a, an aerobics class that I would attend with just consistency. And I ended up making some friends there. So it wasn't until my mid twenties when I graduated and moved to Arizona that I really started seeing symptoms of my hip situation, um, which would express itself in back pain, actually. So it's funny. So I'm seeing chiropractors all this time thinking I have back problems and then come to find out years later, well, your back problems, a lot of your pain is because your hips are really jacked up. So that was enlightening. But um, yeah, it's kind of, so I was, now, so yes, I was very active. So, yeah, very yeah. active. It sounded mm-hmm. like you were active right up in, until now. And it certainly, I think that it sounds like there was some pain being deferred from the hips and you're feeling that in the back. What right. to, Do you know what brought that on or was that from? Well, uh, I do have a degenerative hip condition. I can't exactly pronounce the scientific name, but the, the socket, the ball in the socket is not round. It's teardrop shaped. 
So when I do repetitive motions or, or heavy loading, um, typically in the past, it would grind and tear the labrum. Um, and I get extreme tightness and then that pulls my back and it is, you know, when it's really flaring up, it's to the point that like, I really am counting drinks of how many steps is it going to take me to get from this couch to the kitchen to get a drink of water. So, and I'm like dreading it. So, but what brought that on at that time, um, it was 2015, January 7th. And I decided like everyone else on the planet, I have a new year's resolution. I'm going to shake up my workout routine. And I went to this yoga class, like so many Western versions of yoga. <laughs> the music is thumping. All the girls are running around their cute Lululemon clothes, which mind you, I love that stuff. However, uh, it's not, it's not truly yoga. And while I'm doing the class, I'm thinking, mm, this is going to leave a mark. And sure enough, by that afternoon, I was feeling it. And my hips were really angry. And it probably took me two or three weeks before I was able to get up off the couch. I had doctors lined up, went to see some, you know, high flying pro athlete doctor <laughs> about my hips. And um, when I walked into his office, he said, wow, he goes, most people at this age can't walk by now. So I was like, okay, well, that's interesting because, you know, I've been managing decently well until this flared up and he was recommending surgery. He sent me to another doctor who also recommended surgery. And so I did the research on the surgery and found that it's not a hip replacement surgery because they actually have pretty good luck with that. What they were going to do with me was uncertain about the results. It could make things worse. It would take up to a year recovery, and then I would have to do the other leg. And I'm like, I am not doing that. <laughs> I am not ready to do that. So, because I could still walk, I could still, you know, as long as I was really careful, but at the same time, it was so self-defeating and I'd been active forever. And I'm thinking my kids are, you know, heading into their twenties. They are not chill on the beach and sip my ties kind of people. They are adventurers going, going. And I'm imagining I'm going to be left on the sideline and watching and disconnected from the people I love most. And, uh, I, you know, just a lot of stuff was going on then. And so I was just really having a hard time coming to terms with that situation. Um, anyway, I ended up seeking out another doctor probably months later. And he even said that, yes, I'm a good candidate and should consider it because it kept coming and going. And so it, in a way it was sort of making me crazy because it was kind of like whack-a-mole. Some things would make it mad. And then other days I'd be fine. I'm like, what the mm. heck? And so I couldn't ever quite nail it. And it's still somewhat of a puzzle, but for the most part, um, I don't have that anymore. And I do attribute it to a number of things. Uh, I met a trainer, Lauren, and she is so knowledgeable and was very much, she worked with my physical therapist and together they would collaborate to help me build this, the muscles that I needed uh, to be able to support myself and move. Um, when I was first getting started, I had to relearn how to move my body as it was explained to me. You know, if you have inflammation along a certain track, and you keep moving that same way, it's never going to have a time to heal. 
So I had to relearn how to stand, relearn how to move. I had to start with exercises that are very, very basic. And by this time now, a year has gone by. I'd never really used my glutes much uh, for power or strength. And uh, I was extremely late, weak, especially on my left side. No communication, nerves, sending messages. So it's not necessarily that the muscles are that much weaker. It's just that they don't get that connection. And that's all because of my hips. So um, it's just been a, a really long, enlightening journey. But when I went to see the physical therapist for the first time in a year, he was the first one that said, I don't believe that. I think your body can heal itself. I think we can get you where you need to go. And um, he he knew Lauren really well because she had also been a, a, a patient of his. And um, so they worked out programs for me. Um, and Lauren, it was, you know, the difference because I had had trainers in the past before that. And, um, but no one was as like the progressiveness of the, the heavy weights and building on that and the periodization that didn't happen. And she was, I think I really attributed my body and my strength and the things I can do to her and being cautious and not approaching me. Like I'm a 20 year old who is just going to beat me down every time we get together. So that's kind of where I, how I, how I landed, but through her, then I ended up being introduced to the program called precision nutrition. Have you heard of it? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about precision nutrition. So um, I'm working with her and she knows how interested I am in all of this stuff in the first place. And then she said, you know, you would really love precision nutrition. And so I signed up to, it's a year long habit based program. Um, very much built in, supported with science and not a lot of, not a hype. It's not a speedy program. It's but what I got out of it was way more than what to eat and what to move, but to really start to introspection and to figure out my why, which I posted about on my, on my Instagram. It, it's just such a more whole, whole body, whole mind, spirit program that it turned out to be more impactful than I had ever anticipated it to be and uh, ended up getting certified then the following year. And so that started the whole thing. Well, that's great. It sounds like then at a critical time in your life, you you um, met some some key mentors. It sounds like the physical therapist and clearly having a physical therapist that works with your trainer. That's yeah. and both of them being progressive and um, wanting to to really help you heal as opposed to like you said, somebody just you know so many trainers just oh, here's the program. I'll give you this program. I'll beat you up, right. um, but rather build you up. And then at that same time, being introduced to the precision nutrition piece of that and understanding that your nutrition and the way you move your body and you, you even brought in spirituality, um, right. all of these things work together for a whole healthy person. And um, yeah. that sounds like you've, you've had quite the journey then over, what is that, the last five years, right? Yeah, really. Um, and precision nutrition, even more recently, I'd say like the last three um, mm -hmm. but you know, the cool thing about that program is it demystifies, you know, you're like always, what diet's best for me? Should I be mm -hmm. doing intermittent yeah. fasting? Should we be doing keto? Should I, and you can't, you know, it have the sense of like, what do I need to do? What's the healthiest thing? I want to be healthy. So what do I do? Someone just tell me and I'll do it. But right, yeah. you know, what I learned through that is there is no one diet for every single person. I, you know, here's kind of an interesting story. Years back, my husband, he's got cardiovascular disease in the family. And he 
he decided he wanted to go vegan because he was informed that that is a better diet for people with heart disease. So we had just coincidentally been seeing a naturopath and did my blood work. Everything was great. I decide, okay, if he's going to go vegan, I'm going to give it a try with him. So I, I went vegan for three months and I went back and the doctor comes in. I am the same weight, looking fit, same as always. And he looks at me and he says, you're pre-diabetic. This diet is not working for you. You need to eat meat. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay then. So, you know, and people like, they just kind of, they lose it if you ever... Many people, you know, they get so passionate and stuck and uh, intolerant other, of other people's views with food, which kind of baffles me. It, it's Same, just yeah. a strange it's, phenomenon. It's a thing, like, yeah. okay, you know, uh, yeah. and another thing that precision, it, precision nutrition was also very freeing in that I didn't have to count calories. I didn't have to weigh and measure my food every day unless I want to do it as an exercise just to get some feedback and learn something that is a way of living that's a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to be, unless I'm training for a competition or a show or, you know, that's just beyond where I want to go. And the people that want to do that, that's fine. But for me, it simplified the whole approach to food. And that, that I love a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a silver bullet. A lot of people want that. What should I eat? What diet is the best diet? And there's diet, you know, there's all the different diets out there and people have tried. And I think a lot of certainly older fit people have probably tried a lot of those and it's a lot of trial and error. But when you can land on something that works for you personally, and like you said, is um, take some of that planning and certainly takes all the, the calorie counting and the, the macros and um, measuring and weighing. Not everybody wants to do that. And you right. can see why. Right. Yes, yeah, so that's that's great. Well, interestingly, uh, with their program, they really advocate building the PN plate, precision nutrition plate. Uh, so it it's whole foods, as unprocessed as you can get, lots of lean protein, but the way that they do it. So I am measuring, but my measuring tool is with me at all times. It's my hand. So yeah. You know, have you heard this before? Uh -huh. Like the palm size portion yep. of the protein. And my plate is almost half always vegetables. If there's not color on that plate, it feels naked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. something's amiss. And I better make this a little bit better. So it's not that I'm a perfect eater, but I, I certainly, if I'm going to have an Oreo, which mind you would not be my thing, instead of just eating a bag of Oreos, I might say, hey, I'm going to put this on some Greek yogurt or, <laughs> you know, just right. make it a little bit better. So I don't have to mm -hmm. be perfect all the time. That's just an example. Oreos are not my thing. And you actually lose your taste for that stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as time goes on. So um, it, it, it's just very forgiving and real. The whole program is very real, real life applicable. Now you were, I think, I suspect you were always eating healthy. How were you eating bef before you found Precision Nutrition? Did you have, were you... Were you more whole foods or were you eating some processed foods, maybe not oh, giving no. it much I, consideration? Sure, I ate processed foods. I think I just always tried to, I wasn't eating enough protein. I wasn't eating enough vegetables. I mean, hmm. I'm sure you understand. When yeah. I say eating vegetables, I'm eating like my breakfast is half vegetables, the whole hmm. entire plate, not just a sprinkle of something on the top. Yeah. So that's the way it's uh, it's it's really changed my eating. And I don't eat things out of a package generally. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about a lot of things if it doesn't have a label. It means it's straight from earth. 
Right. So that's yeah. a simple way to approach it. And and that's yeah. a, I think that's a constant when I hear a lot, you know, what do you eat? People are asking me or what should I eat is often what they mean. Um, that's a really tough one to answer, but I, I think a universal truth is start with whole foods, just yeah. knock out the processed foods, start yep. with whole foods. That's a really good place to start. Yeah. And then it's, it's really a journey, right? Finding and what works for is. you. And, and everyone's got their own journey and some people are going to start in one spot and others are already further away ahead and you just have to respect and empathize with mm-hmm. people that it doesn't come that easy. They have a lot to learn. So, right. you know, this whole thing has also made me very more empathetic because I see how complicated food choices are for people and how much is tied into what goes into their mouth, not just knowing that it's not the right thing. You right. Know? No, there's, there's a lot yeah. of reasons why people eat and um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I also noticed on your Instagram, you have some great recipes, quite detailed. So it looks, <laughs> you might be a foodie. Is that fair to say? You know, it's funny. Cause I, I just, in the last, Oh, you know, I, I haven't cooked all these years, but we were, the kids were always in club sports. And so we were never mm-hmm. home to cook. But if I had gone through precision nutrition, I would have known how to do that. <laughs> I would have had all that meal prepping done. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm a foodie now. I've always loved to eat, but I'm definitely uh, always seeking out. If I could travel the world and, and just eat my way around the world, that's what I would do. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, but I love to cook now. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that. That sounds good. Let's move on a little bit to your workout. You're obviously in great shape. Um, it sounds like you've always been active, but what what does and now I know uh, things may have changed a little bit or may not have with the with the the corona craziness going on right now. But what does a typical workout week look like for you? You I think you mentioned um, progressive overload and periodization. How how are these things? How do you put these things into play day to day practically? Um, well, my weight training days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, typically, uh, Tuesdays, I usually do intervals. Um, my body doesn't like to run much. So I kind of keep that, I'll throw that in every now and then, uh, mostly I do a lip, elliptical or my Peloton, um, but in intervals. And then on Thursdays, I usually take a nice, slow, sleddy, steady walk, usually with my husband and outside and just kind of keep the pace up, but uh, long sustainable movement. Uh, and then on Saturdays, it's full out sprints. Um, something fast that just wipes you out in like seven seconds. So like um, some, some hit type work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, maybe not as intense as that, but pretty, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I do. And how long have you had that routine? Um, yeah, that's a long time. Well, I've been training with Lauren for five years, and I think probably we kind of really got more serious about the cardio probably last fall. So mm-hmm. I've been really, st- I, it, but you know what? She always also works it in to the end as well. So okay, we'll yeah. have a circuit that's you know. So I haven't not had any cardio training all this time, but she's she explained to me that it actually channels different systems, and so it's actually important to do that cardio aside from, you know, with your deadlifting, yeah, my heart rate gets up to 170. Mm-hmm. But that's a different system than just right. A, right. A, an interval or sustainable movement. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now, and 
what you're working, you're putting all this work in, uh, uh, you, you mentioned, are you doing shows? Are you doing uh, bodybuilding no. shows or no? No, I, no, I, you know, it was so funny because I saw on your blog today, or maybe it was your Instagram and you post about your PR and, and then how you're going to PR your relationship with your wife and PR. And I just love that. And that's really why I'm doing it. It's just, um, I've had people say, oh, you should, you should compete. Oh, it's just, it, it's not out of the picture for sure. But you know, the fact that the women have to wear bikinis and heels and prance across the stage, that's just not my deal. (laughs) I'm just like, that's really out of my comfort box. So I don't know that I'll ever do that. Um, but more power to the women that can and good for them. And they look amazing. But um, I don't know. For me, I'm just kind of doing it just because it feels amazing when I suddenly can do something that I couldn't do a month before. Like, holy heck, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's more for myself. Yeah, there's something to be said about being strong and confident and capable um, that comes from this lifestyle that's that's very empowering. Um, I, I know that people obviously have different whys, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, there's performance and there's aesthetics, et cetera. But there's just something about overall well-being and the confidence that comes from that that, um, again, is very empowering in life. It really is. And when you have a client, I don't know if you do any training, but that's my favorite thing. My favorite charge is seeing the look on someone's face when they just did their first pull-up ever. And they're like, yeah. I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, back to the it's PRs. So yeah. exciting. It's yeah. so exciting. It is. Yeah. 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 Very um, rewarding. Well, um, I want to talk a little bit about the why. You had a a post um where you talk about the why not too long ago when it comes to lifelong health and fitness. You wrote, it feels good to be cap- capable, confident, and strong. Aging is a guaranteed part of life. My goal is to maintain vitality and strength well into the next two decades and beyond. I want to grab the joy out of every blessed day that I am given. This is not possible without good health. Fitness is not an easy path. It takes dedication, consistency, sacrifice, and sometimes a little discomfort. But the benefits are so worth the effort. Without a clear sense of why, lifelong success is unlikely. Health matters. Know your why. What would you say to someone who just heard that or read that on your post and um, hasn't really considered the importance of of their why yet? Uh, I'm not really sure what I would say, but you know, there's an exercise that I do with my clients because a lot of times people don't know their why. It's a question that they've never even considered. Well, you know, your first answer. So we play the five why game, which by the way, comes from precision nutrition. So have you heard of the five whys? I have not. Okay, so I say, why do you want to? Why do you want to work out with me? I want to lose weight. Well, why is that important to you? Um, because I want to fit in my clothes. Well, why is that important to you? Um, because then I'm. I don't. I'll feel more confident. Well, why does that matter? And you play this game until you get down to. I want to feel confident because I want to be able to chase the things with zest. that are going to bring me joy in my life because I get one ride. So once people start to realize, and that might not be their why, that's my why, but that's typically how that kind of conversation goes. People find something way deeper underneath than just wanting to get muscles. I want to, you know, get muscles to get the girls, but why, you know, Mm -hmm. so you start going down that road. So that's how I help them come to that. Um, 
Yeah, but I think a lot of people are walking around not knowing their why, and you can apply that to everything. You can. Not just fitness, but yeah. to, to me that happens to be, yeah, the topic. <laughs> and I, I think that's why we see gyms, you know, especially Globo gyms, fill up in, in January, and then by February they're back to their base level of activity again. People don't have that why, and they lose that motivation. They, it's not that they don't want to be healthy and fit. But to your point, they haven't, they really haven't dug deep and found that real why. And it's, right. it's hard to go in and grind day right. in and day out if you don't have that, that motivation and, and understanding of that why. Right. Exactly. Uh, it definitely helps steer and drive where, where you're trying to get. That's true. And a lot of those people in, in January go back and they try to go 180 degree different behavior. And yeah. that's why I, I hate dieting. I just feel like, People, all walks, they suffer from that. That's a vicious cycle. You you try it, you fail, you feel like a loser. You try it again, you gain more weight. Mm. <laughs> you feel like a loser instead of taking just the, you don't have to be perfect. Progress is, is you know, we're looking for progress, not perfection. And just taking it easy and slow and little by little making these changes that you can make part of your day-to-day lifestyle. And that's another beautiful thing about precision nutrition. It's habit-based and very slow. Um, Yeah. Very supportive that way. Yeah. We live in this instant gratification society Uh and I just roll my eyes. And every time I read something that says lose 10, 10 pounds in 10 days, and that's, that's not how it's supposed to work. Um, It is, it's a journey and um, I think a lot of people just don't understand that and that, that, right. that it takes dedication at these small, these small successes, these small progressive steps that you're talking about are much, much more effective than the diet, right? Which I, I like you, I, I don't like that word. I don't like that concept. And it just, right. it doesn't work. Right. It's a right. Broken system. Yep. Definitely. And I liked what you said on your blog was, uh, you know, it takes work and it takes hard work. Mm-hmm. and. You know, if you don't have your why, you're going to bail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hard to be consistent on vacation. That's right. I'm not saying I'm not saying restrictive on vacation, but uh, you know, what's your bare minimum? How do you how do you mm-hmm. maintain without completely derailing and then feeling crappy or getting sick, even worse? You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm loving your blog. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's see. We, we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about um, working out. Um, what are your thoughts on recovery? So what do you do? Obviously, you have a pretty pretty aggressive workout schedule. Um, what do you do for self-care, recovery? What are your thoughts on the importance of sleep and things of that nature? Uh, it's super important. Um, that's been one of the highlights I've learned from Lauren. Um, so... Lauren has studied yoga. She's lived in Thailand. She's lived in India. She's like studied all under these. She has a blog she just came out with. It's called Lauren Hovi Kiyomaka Podcast. It's not a blog. It's a podcast. Um, And it's brand new out. I just started listening. And I'm so thankful she put it together because I've only listened to probably three or four uh, episodes so far. And they are, I just feel like everyone should hear it. And so she has taught me the importance of finding my center or getting grounded. Um, so far, so you're talking about recovery. 
So for me, meditation is a huge factor. And most of this influence, everything that's got me set off in that direction came from her. Um, in addition, I read a book, uh, which my husband brought to me, kind of ironically, if you know him. So I thought it was super cool, called The Untethered Soul. Have you heard of it? I have By not. Michael Singer. Um, and I have recommended that book over and over to people. And people come back and say, that's a game changer. And it really is a game changer. <laughs> so between those, between my my physical progress and then my spiritual progress journey, because trust me, I do not have this nailed down. So I don't want to sound all arrogant, like, look what I found. I am like guru. No, but I do practice meditation every day. And um, I practice some of the concepts from Untethered Soul, which help keep me open to the joy that can bring every day and not get caught up when things start going wrong with the mind that starts jabbering mm -hmm. over your brain and taking you down rabbit holes that you don't need to go down. And so I've learned to remove myself and just let things pass. And I'm just a much calmer, more secure feeling. And, but you know, when your nervous system is all frazzled in, jacked up and you try to deadlift, you're going to find out really quick that you can't because there is a definite connection between your nervous system, which comes from your brain and your thoughts is affecting your nervous system as well and your body. So, uh, yeah, so I do a lot of meditation. I get extra sleep. I'm really super protective about my sleep, I sleep with a sleep mask on. Mm -hmm. As soon as I start my routine, I dim all the lights, uh, have my little routine in my bed. <laughs> where my blue block thing, if I feel like yep. I need to look at my phone, uh, because studies are saying that that really does impact mm -hmm. the quality of your sleep. It's not that it will make you so you can't go to sleep. I've had clients say, oh, I don't need that. I can go right to sleep. But no, no, no. <laughs> it really does affect your sleep, whether you're recognizing it or not. So I, I wear the blue blockers. Um, and I get massages when COVID is not happening. I was getting massages, which are extremely helpful mm -hmm. to me. And my last piece of it is rolling out with a with foam massage balls. Um, there is a book, I don't know, uh, for people that are listening that may not be too familiar with rolling out with a massage ball, a book called The Roll Model, R-O-L-L. -L. So roll, like rolling, roll model, and it's by Jill Miller. And awesome book. So she demonstrates all the different ways. And anyway, I spend on my days that I'm well, you know what, I roll out every single day before I work out, I roll out sometimes in the middle of my workout, mm -hmm. and I roll out after. And then on my cardio days, um, I generally uh, will spend well, if I'm consistent, which is not always happening, but I spend like 20 to 30 minutes just rolling out. So it, it, it's a major it's a major game changer for me. Talk about whack-a-mole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, snuffs out all those little aches mm -hmm. and pains that start to creep in and take permanent hold on you. So, yeah. So that's my routine, basically. Yeah. That, no, that sounds like you've got a very comprehensive routine. And certainly anybody who works out uh, with any kind of intensity, self-care has to be a, an important part of that, right? You've got to be fully recovered. Do you use right. any kind of like biofeedback devices? The Fitbits or whoops or looks like you might <laughs> yes. have a band on your arm right there. I have them both. Yep. Yep. Yes, I just took it off. My battery was dying on my on my watch. But um 
Yeah, I love that whoop band. Oh, so you're a whoop band fan? Oh, me too. I, it's a game changer. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a little obsessed with it. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's great information. And mm-hmm. and it really does help you know, like, but you know what I have found? That it's very in line with. So what it does is it'll tell you when you need to pump the brakes. If you're not fully recovered, you, you don't need to crush yourself in the gym, um, which is just basically I have learned to already know that feeling and know that I need to respect that message my body is trying to send me, but it's nice to have validation from the what band because <laughs> it yeah. always is right on track with how I was feeling anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's another thing I've learned to do over the years. You know, as you get into your fifties, you realize your body and younger, I wish I had realized it before your body is trying to tell you things. If you would slow down and pay attention and not let your ego override, which why I don't do CrossFit and other classes like that, because I can't do group fitness. I, I know I'm going to end up doing things that because my ego comes in. And yeah. so I'm aware of it now. I might do better, but it used to be I would go do those classes and then I'd be a train wreck. So I, I knew that that might not be my best bet. But now I'm much more loving. Oh, we need to talk about self-compassion. We haven't talked about that. So I have learned that um, instead of being angry every time I like tweak a shoulder or it's going to throw off my training, I'm like, ah, okay, let's have some self-compassion and be loving and respectful of my body and be patient. And so I've been able to maneuver through some of that a little more gracefully Mm. uh, than I would have say three years ago. But I, I, you know, that self-compassion is a, a, a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's well, that's well said to, to maneuver compassionately through that. Um, I think we could all, cause certainly if you work out with any intensity, uh, sooner or later, you're going to, you're going to come up to injury and obstacles and be how you handle that certainly is going to be uh, mm-hmm. important for you. That, I think that's a really good segue, um, into the self-care piece. Another thing I wanted to read, um, you have, a post, and I'm not sure if you did this pre or post Corona. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but you can tell us. But I, I feel like it's really um, timely right now. So you wrote, in times like this, it's so easy as a mother to put everyone and everything else in front of ourselves. But taking time out for yourself is a healthy expression of self love. What good are you to anyone if you're sick or exhausted or emotionally drained? Taking time out for yourself might feel counterproductive, but it's exactly the opposite. And I, I do feel like this is especially true right now in my own house. My own wife is uber protective right now. And in general, being being a mom, being being a wife and um, maybe not taking as much time and, and care of herself as she should. What, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of self-care? And I think it's really important to pull that apart from people that might feel, well, taking time out for myself is taking time away from others. Right. Um, it was written during the, the COVID-19 okay. situation. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I, I think that actually it can apply to any time. Uh, sure. And I think especially women, because I think we're mm. wired to be extra nurturing. But I feel like, you know, someone once said to me, I want you to list three people that you really love. And then, you know, people rattle up the names and then it's like, I mean, I was reading it. Well, if your name wasn't in the top three, then you need to do some serious thinking. So people don't put themselves on their list of who you love, who you're going to take care of. 
so it's a different, a little bit of a different angle of, yeah, do you know what? Mm-hmm. I matter. And then to take that even further, like I said in the post, if you're running frantic to take care of everyone and you don't even take two minutes to close your eyes and find your center, just breathe, you're just keying up your nervous system, which is then going to affect your immune system, which is going to affect your body, everything. So you're thinking and emotionally, you're not going to be, if you want to be the best you can for the people you love, you need to love yourself and you need to take care of yourself and make yourself a priority on that list. And next time somebody asks you name the people you love, you need to put your name on there and not be embarrassed about it. It's an awkward thing to say, but, <laughs> but you get the gist. I do. Yeah. I've, I haven't heard that before. The, the make a list of three people. Um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, And I, I guess I think you're probably right. Most people wouldn't put themselves on there and they certainly should. That's if you're not taking care of yourself, it's really hard to take care of others. And when right. you're run down, you're not of you're not, you're showing up as the best version of yourself. So myself not showing up as the best version as a, as a dad or a husband or a a coworker, et cetera. Um, Right. Right. It it doesn't have to be an hour. I mean, I I understand the the compulsion to keep going, especially when you have your kids around, you have your laundry to do, you're trying to do your job. You're trying to cook for everyone. You want to make sure you leach the house because God knows there might be a germ. Um, (laughs) You know, so I understand that compulsion, but even just to, Remove yourself from the chaos just to take 10 breaths or just kind of just self, do some self-soothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what I'm getting at. It doesn't have to be this huge ordeal because I understand why people can't always do that. I mean, life is like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That. Yep. So, anyway. Well, that's one thing before we wrap up here I wanted to talk about. Another one of your posts, you make the case that tequila – might be the the spirit of choice for those of us health conscious folks. I think you had a tequila tasting maybe for your husband's um, birthday. Um, why don't you tell us tell us why why tequila? Uh, why tequila? Uh, well, it's interesting. I started seeing this doctor who's an integrative health doc professional out of LA uh, through Parsley Health, which is an online, really cool ongoing year-long subscription and they do your blood work and they give you all this amazing feedback about you personally and they help monitor your your progress throughout the year uh well it was through dr palma at parsley health who who taught me that if you're going to drink tequila is the healthiest version and that is because it has the least processing has less fertilizers and but mostly it's the processing thing. And so it's just the cleanest version. So okay. if you drink a lot of wine, all that other stuff, there's a lot of, you know, bugs like great grapevines. So uh, there's a lot of fertilizer on that unless you buy organic. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, so yeah, we we went through a, a tequila tasting uh, thing. You know what I discovered? Tequila tasting can hurt you. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not advocating. That's not surprising. I'm not telling you <laughs> that it's healthy. So if you're not a drinker, don't start drinking because you think tequila is healthy. I'm saying that if you choose to drink, that you might want to consider taking tequila and mixing it with soda and some citrus. That's way better than drinking it straight. <laughs> right. So, right. yeah. Okay. Well, 
let's uh, let's wrap up here. Uh, we've covered a lot of great information. What and you've alluded to this throughout our conversation, I think. But in summary, what would you say to somebody listening to this? Um, maybe it's a woman in her fifties. Maybe she's got a you know a, a recent medical diagnosis. Maybe she's pre-diabetic or some sort of a, an injury. Maybe she's overweight. What what do you tell somebody like that? When she's, you know, she looks at your Instagram and, and she's getting these inspirational stories. Uh, what do you tell her in order to get started on her journey? I would say build a team. If you can find a team of people that can support you with your goal, uh, meaning loved ones, uh, a good coach, somebody that's actually very educated, uh, a doctor. I really think having the support system is a, a really great way to start. Find a friend just to walk with you. Find a precision nutrition trained person. I know there's other programs out there, but there's great coaches that are going to embrace you as a whole person um, rather than just looking at the weight and the number. And mostly I would say, remember that, especially if you're in the instance of wanting to lose weight, that you're more than the number on the scale. That's what breaks my heart. I see women tying their self-worth to that scale and it just, it's, it's sickening to me. So yeah, it all goes back to that self-compassion thing and trying to love yourself. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in that. If you're pre-diabetic, I would say, uh, start moving your body. I've had clients that were pre-diabetic or diabetic, actually diabetes too, and end up going off of their meds because they lose a lot of weight and they start eating healthier stuff and avoiding the stuff in packages. So, um, you know, our medical, not, not to bash them because I know doctors are trained the way they're trained. Uh, but a lot of times the basics are overlooked before they start slapping down diagnosis and, uh, medicine. And so just start simple and don't feel like you have to be perfect. Just make little improvements. Took my husband two years before he caught onto this and, He's also in the best shape and healthiest he's ever been, but it was a very gradual, beautiful process. And, um, he had his team around him, meaning me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you find that one person or yeah. So I don't know. And I wish them luck because, uh, I understand it's, it's, it's complicated sometimes. It is. And, and it can be daunting. Um, but th- that's, that's beautifully spoken. And, um, I want to thank you again for your time. Um, you look great. You're obviously in fantastic shape and you've overcome a lot. And um, I think people will get a lot out of this, this podcast. It, how can people that want to connect with you, what's the best way for folks to, to connect with you? Is it Instagram? Do you have other folks you want to point people? Yeah, just message me on Instagram. I really like that. Uh, I'm really interested mostly, I hate to say it, in women that, uh, that are serious. So that's my favorite. Um, I do have some male clients, but I prefer to work with women and in their forties or older. So, uh, if you fit that category, yeah, if I Heidi fit in 50, then I'd be happy to help you. Yeah. That's Heidi fit in 50, the number five zero, and you can check her out on Instagram and Heidi, thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed talking to you today. And you, Kevin, thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, that's our show for today, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends and please consider subscribing and giving us a five-star review. All the show notes and much more are available at our website at silver-edge.com. That's silver-edge.com. 
So until next time, stay strong.